Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. As we're forced to sit still, I want to travel through the stories of people in other places and explore how they're stepping out with a renewed sense of style. So this is Style Stories Stepping Out, a series which continues to share stories of creative people with a strong sense of style, but from places that we'd love to see and where we'd rather be. Today, I'm stepping out with English actress, model and influencer Sophie Pawley, best known for her role as Ellie Nightingale on the British soap Hollyoaks. Sophie may hail from Essex, London, a place where white high heels and fake tans have been typecast as style, but there is nothing fake about her. Instead, Sophie keeps it real, whether she's wearing a white shirt with stains or being transparent about her efforts and sometimes shortcomings at practicing sustainability. And it's this down-to-earth nature, coupled with her ladylike looks, that render her style that of an English rose. Whether she's going wild at a music festival, dressing up for dinner dates, or planning a girls' weekend away, Sophie is blooming in her newfound freedoms and naturally is stepping out in style. I hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to Sophie's story. Sophie, thank you for joining me today. Um, I'm excited to share your story. And, you know, uh, being an actress, you know that any good um, storytelling begins uh, with with a good beginning. And my understanding is that you were born in Essex. Is that correct? correct, yes. Uh, Now, for my Australian audience, um, they might not understand what... um, the, I guess the connotations and stereotypes that come yes. with being an East Londoner. Um, yes. And I know that there's a lot of like negative stereotyping of, you know, white, <laughs> white high heels and, <laughs> and terrible fake tans. Yes, um, yes, can, yes. Can you just start off by dismantling some of that and give us your version of growing up in Essex? Well, the thing is, there's such a misconception about Essex. Essex is a county just outside of London, and it's actually bigger than London. And people, uh, you don't realise this, so there's like many different people that live in Essex. Um, There was like a horrible, like dictionary definition of Essex girl that went into the the dictionary here. Um, I can't remember it now, but it was so offensive to every single woman from Essex. I think it's been taken out of the dictionary now. But yeah, the basic Essex girl slang was all around um, white stilettos, um, terrible fake tan, and um, uh, I forget the rest, but it it was all very negative. And I assure you, there's a broad spectrum of women that live in Essex. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there is. (laughs) Some of which probably do love a bit too much fake tan and white heels, and that's fine too. (laughs) (laughs) So what what was your version like? Because I certainly don't associate either of those things with, with how you present yourself for your style, but what, what did your childhood look like in terms of your, the culture within your house and your yeah. sense of creativity growing up? Well, I definitely always loved fashion, but that doesn't, to say that, that doesn't mean to say that I was good at it. <laughs> so um, looking back now, I was a teenager during the noughties and yeah. I just, I can see the fashion coming back in now and it hurts my soul because I regret everything I wore as a teenager, everything. I don't think there's one thing that I would, <laughs> that I would want to reprise. Um, it was all the kind of um, low, very low really jeans. Really low jeans. Oh I can't believe they're coming back. 
<laughs> it, it hurts. And I, I see teenagers now and I'm like, stop, save yourself some misery. You're going to regret this. Um, and yeah, and crop tops and those belts, those belts with the circle discs that went around. Um, I know I blame Sienna Miller for that. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I definitely don't think that um, that I was like the uh, the most fashionable of teenagers. But I do think it was just the style of the time that none of us were that fashionable, in my humble opinion. Yeah. Um, but actually, as a teenager as well, growing up in Essex, there was a big um, trend around sportswear. So I would often wear like tracksuit bottoms and trainers. But my friend's mum always said that I was always the lady of the group because I'd wear my tracksuit bottoms, but I always had a handbag. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what about your mum? Was she a stylish woman? Did you kind of get um, some nods from her in terms of inspiration growing up? She might kill me, but no. Um, <laughs> actually, my oldest sister and my mum always dressed very similar. Um, and I, I think that they always just found me a little bit weird and I, I bucked the trend of what, yeah, what, what they were wearing and I did my own thing. What kind of things were they wearing? They were just very, like, you know, like jeans and a T-shirt. Right. So just, just understated like, and simple. Yeah, exactly. Like, they, they were not going for, like, they were definitely not trend-led and, like, you know, fashion wasn't, like, a big importance to them. Um, so, whereas I thought, I, want, I thought at some stage I might want to be a fashion designer when I was younger, despite not being fashionable. So <laughs> the world hasn't missed out. <laughs> So you had all these kind of creative endeavours that you, you wanted to pursue. Was the rest of your family creative or was that just a function of, like, who Sophie was in that household? That was just me. Yeah. <laughs> that was just me. I'm very much the oddball of my family. Um, yeah. I just always did my own thing. But, um, but yeah, as I said, I just kind of, like, had... I think as well, when I went off to university... Um, that's when I really started experimenting with style. You know, you obviously you um, have pursued modelling and acting as careers. Did that start from a young age? Um, yes, I actually started modelling when I was two. Um, oh, wow. So super young. Obviously, it wasn't my choice at that <laughs> stage. Um, yeah. uh, Mum uh, yeah, put me and my older sister into modelling. Um, and my older sister just cried the whole time. She hated it. Um, and I think I was more like, ah, oh, I found my people. <laughs> um, yes. yes, my my first ever modelling job was for um, Huggies Nappies. Oh, cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I get, then I, I started modelling from the age of two and then I finished around when I was 10 um, and then I picked it back up again when I was 21. So obviously something then that your family supported in terms of a career path. Um, but Tell me, you've described yourself as a people pleaser, you know, you obviously like yes. to make other people happy. Yes. Were you the baby of your family? Because I, I am the youngest find... of four. It makes sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, and so as a little person, were you always trying to entertain and get the Absolutely. attention of your older siblings? And, Absolutely. Yeah? And now I look back and think I must have been quite annoying. But, yeah, I was always like, <laughs> got a show watch me do this like <laughs> um, I'll, I can't sing but I would sing all the time oh my poor dad the amount of car journeys that I was like let me sing Little Mermaid one more time and were you his little princess like did he nurture all of that or was he like oh come off it Sophie <laughs> I mean uh, I feel like everyone would listen to a certain extent <laughs> <laughs> and indulge it for you for, to, for an amount yeah so 
so you had, you, you know, you obviously exposed to the modeling side of things as um, a little person and had a bit of a break. Um, when did you go back into it? And how does someone that likes to please people and, and get that validation go into a career path that is kind of renowned for being brutal in terms of rejection? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a recipe for disaster, doesn't it? Why would I do that to myself? Um, well, it actually kind of, all of my career opportunities have kind of just sort of presented themselves in a way. Um, I feel like I've very much been in flow for a lot, a lot of this. Um, so I actually went to university and I have a degree in historical and cultural studies. So completely okay. not what I do now. Um, but the day that I finished my last exam at university, um, there was a new H&M that had just opened uh, in Brighton where I was studying. And um, there was a scout from Store Models, which is Kate, Models, uh, Kate Moss's modeling agency. Um, and they approached me the day I finished my exam um, and scouted me for modeling. So, um, yeah. So then they gave me a call like two weeks later and said, would you come and see us? I was like, sure. Um, and this is a fashion faux pas story, actually, because... I remember um, I had this floral Primark dress on and now knowing what I know now about modeling, I would never have worn that, but I thought it was pretty cute. And I had these like this pearl necklace on and I was walking down the King's Road and it was all very posh. Um, And my one pound pearl necklaces broke and they just started shedding off me on the King's Road. And I thought, I can't stop. So I just carried on walking, marching while these beads were just falling off me. Um, And when I got to the agency, um, talking of having to have a tough skin. One of the first things the, um, uh, the owner, when I was having a meeting with them, said, we need to teach the girls how to dress. They, they can't go to castings like this. And I was like, oh, I want my dress, best dress. So I quickly learned that you need a thick skin um, and you need a pair of black skinny jeans, um, a black T-shirt and black boots to be a model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is the model's uniform, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, but, but on the whole... I've had such a great experience um, with modelling and obviously like there is so much rejection in modelling and acting but I've always taken the stance that if if that job was meant to be mine it would be so I could sit in a casting room with you know 50 girls who all brunettes with brown eyes like you know they've got they've got a criteria that they're looking for mm-hmm. and I'm like there's nothing I can do right now other than I've got my pictures I'm going to go in and show my personality and they know what they're looking for. If it's me, they'll book me. If it's that girl, they're going to book her. So I think that that's the only way that you can get through it is just to not not take it personally. Yeah. And I guess that helps you kind of stay in your zone, stay true to who you are. And I think especially now, um, a level of authenticity is kind of really critical in any of those kind of creative spaces. And you probably yeah. being in social, so popular in social media now, you would know that more than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, I think that the, I remember one model when I first started saying to me when I went into a casting saying, I came out and she said, you know, you should talk less. They don't want you to, they don't want to hear what you have to say. It's like, you should speak less. I I think she lasted six months and I'm still here like 13 years later. So I think um, having a personality is a good thing. Yeah, 100%. So you mentioned Kate Moss um, and, you know, belonging to the same agency as her. Um, 
And, you know, I, I want to get your take on, on London style and the London look a bit later in the interview. But in terms of those quintessential kind of British icons um, coming out of the 90s and noughties, mm-hmm. was Kate Moss your style icon growing up? I loved Kate Moss and I think one of my mottos was always what would Kate do which <laughs> gets you in trouble because <laughs> I think you should do a lot. Um, I loved Kate Moss but um, Kate Moss's uh, like figure is the opposite of mine. I'm, I'm very naturally um, like busty and I've got hips um, so I was not the like you know the, the 90s um, straight up and down like, you know, heroin sheets. Androgynous, kind of yeah. look. Like, my my body type is much more, you know, uh, of the 80s women, uh, the 80s supermodels that had, like, you know, boobs and bums and stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah, so my kind of body shape was not, like, in vogue uh, when I first started modelling. But despite that, I still loved Kate Moss. And I do just think she just inspired a generation of models and just women everywhere. I... I don't know whether it's because I just did really like her, but I just assumed that everyone wanted to dress like Kate Moss. And what do you think it was about her look that it was inspirational? It's funny, isn't it? Because it's like it was a real dirty look in the in the noughties. <laughs> you know, like, like even like the her and the Pete Doherty phase and stuff, it was like it was like very just kind of, yeah, looked dirty and smelly, but was just so into it. I can't put my finger on what it was, but it just, it just was, it was the epitome of cool at the time, right? Everyone wanted to be cool. Oh, 100%. I, it, looking at your style, I would, I would say that there's um, potentially the paired backness of her, of what she kind of brought to um, the fore at that time, you know, we'd come out of a period of like, you know, the 80s fashions, which were so opulent and indulgent mm-hmm. and over the top and big and, theatrical to you know her her kind of really dressed down grungy phase and mm-hmm. um there was something really lacking in pretentious pretentiousness about that and I think yes. that's probably what was was so attractive and and what holds on true so maybe we've left behind that very um emaciated you know uh uh heroin chic part of, of yes. her look but we've held on to that just kind of paired backness of of what she she kind of achieved in the fashion world at the time and I think um, some things are timeless as well though like there's bits of bits of every like decade that like remain um you know like a good like a good structured like you know pair of pants or like a blazer or, like there's certain pieces that no matter what the the current trend is is just timeless yeah, but not not necessarily those very low slung pants that we both would have enjoyed. And I, I like, not, I'm not like you, but I do have um a, um a, a Greek bum, so I know that they were not easy you. to wear. They were not easy to wear, and I will not be embracing that trend again. I mean, at 16, I just got away with them, but now, like, oh, just oh, just give me a high waisted pair of <laughs> jeans any day. So going into your career, uh, Sophie, you know, obviously you are known very well for your um, playing the character of Ellie Nightingale on Hollyoaks. And she was a much-loved character that had um, a fairly heavy storyline to hold on to. Um, What part of Ellie resonated with you and what parts do you feel like you left behind when you got home? 
Um, it's, it's, it's funny playing a character for a long amount of time because, um, like people, they, they change and they adapt over time as well. Um, and obviously it's a lot to do with the storyline and what the writers are adding in. Like, you know, when I first started playing Ellie, she was quite different in my head to how she was at the end. So when I first got the character, um, I really wanted her to be like really bratty and daddy's little princess and, um, and kind of annoying. (laughs) And and I know the audience didn't like her that much at the start because like I chose these characteristics for her. But then after a while, you know, like different, different, you know, things had happened to her and then she softened and, um, and I know that the audience kind of liked her more, um, like a bit later on because they'd seen, you know, some of her like squishy weak parts, um, as opposed to her just coming in being bratty, which was really fun to play. Yeah. So do you think that was, instead of her influencing you, do you think what happened then was more of you coming into her character? I said, with these long-term characters, I do think there's some like, like meshing of, you know, you bring a bit of yourself into, into these scenarios as well with a long-term character like that. But, um, but yeah, I would very much just, especially like some of uh, like my tougher storylines, like I had a sexual consent storyline. And so lots of that, I just, you know, had to, you just have to park it at the door. You very much leave the character at work and you come home and you're like, and I'm me. <laughs> and what, what is that mental separation? What, what does it take to kind of offload some of that heaviness? Yeah, sometimes it, when you're doing it daily, it can take a toll on you because I think your body sometimes doesn't know the difference between um, if you're really going through something or if you're if you're imagining yourself going through it. So the, the body doesn't know the difference. So if I've had a really tough day of just like crying and screaming and shouting, my body physically thinks that that's actually me that's happened to. So I would get home and just be like, oh my God, like you'd feel like you've really been through some trauma that day. But yeah, you just have to decompress watch some absolute rubbish on TV. Um, <laughs> watch like, a bit of Hollyoaks. <laughs> no, I, I want to say, would you go home and watch Hollyoaks? No, I've seen those people's faces all day long. Way the last thing I want to do is, no offence, love all their faces. I don't want to see them again. Um, so so life with, can imitate, um, sorry, life can imitate art and um, you obviously are known for your relationship with uh, your Holly, uh, fellow Hollyoaks star, Adam Woodward. Um, I don't want to go too much into that because I'm sure that people ask you about that all the time. I still, um, we've been broken up for a year and I still get asked <laughs> and it's very sweet and I appreciate people caring, but yeah, we've been broken up for a while. When when you did break up, you kind of alluded to the fact that the pandemic, you know, was um, kind of took its toll on the relationship. Um, why do you think the pandemic uh, has had such? Because even anecdotally, I know that <laughs> looking around, it, it has it, a lot of relationships have suffered. What do you think that it, it does to some people? I think that I I think that something like this you know it's unnatural for people to spend that amount of time together okay like if you're living with a partner or something uh, and obviously at that time we we couldn't you know we don't allowed out of the house for like one exercise a day it's a pressure pot and I think that um it was make or break for a lot of relationships so really strong relationships um that were that were going to last um made them stronger and then relationships where there was already cracks it highlighted the cracks so I think it was just, it's one of those things that perhaps people like like me in those situations 
those relationships probably would have broke down anyway. It was just, it sped up the process. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't see it as a negative at all. Did it affect anything else in your life in terms of work or, um, or even your style, your personal style? Well, style wise, like I own a lot more tracksuit bottoms now, (laughs) which I think everyone can relate to. Um, but yeah, I mean, Work-wise, obviously, like, during the first lockdown, everyone didn't have a clue what was happening. I'm, I feel very fortunate that <clears throat> my job is now three-prong attack, that I have the acting, I have the modelling, and then I have the influencing. So, um, yeah, during the pandemic, obviously, everyone was at home, so I got to create a lot more content, um, and I was doing a lot more work on that. And now everything's opening up again. There's more auditions and uh, modelling. And so, yeah, so I feel like I've been quite fortunate throughout the pandemic, um, just having to adapt to ways we work. So other than your loungewear, um, yes. personally, if I look at, you know, uh, the way that you profile yourself on social media, you have what I would want to call like a quintessential English rose kind of style in that, um, you know, you, you, there's a very natural kind of earthiness about the way that you dress. Um, oh, I love that. But, I love that. I'm doing that. <laughs> But it's coupled with a romantic kind of edge and and a very feminine kind of tone. Um, and you wear a lot of, you know, as you've referred to, like classic line pieces. Would you say that that sums up your style or how do you perceive your own style? So I think I've really, like, as I've got older, my style has adapted. But now I want I want my wardrobe to... To, to really work with everything. I want to just be able to go in and know that things will pair. So um, I'm like, I'm a trying to be reformed shopaholic, which, you know, <laughs> I love clothes, but I'm trying to, trying to buy less and buy better because, you know, obviously the environment and trying to be more sustainable, but it is difficult for me. And I do fail all the time. I'll, I'll go and buy some cheap top that I see and then go oh but if I do buy something cheap from a store that's not ethical which I do still I I ask myself will I wear this 30 times um yeah and how many bits of my wardrobe will it go with so that I try not to buy things that are are, are too like faddy or too like trend-led so I'm trying to get a wardrobe that I think that I will wear consistently again and again so that kind of means that my colour palette is, um, is very similar. So I have lots of beige, I have lots of black, grey, white, and then I just have a few pops of pastel. Yeah. Um, now, you say quite often that you, you are a girl that wears white, but um, you're also a girl that spills on yourself and that yes. you're happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> what does that say about you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a messy cow I don't care <laughs> I actually was about to put a um a white shirt on for this interview and I realized that I had some like I had some blood on the shoulder and I thought I have no idea where that came from but oh, I, I saw that out so yeah it was white I, I also love wearing a lot of white, um, but uh, inevitably do get dirty. And I think that I, I like it because I think white is quite an approachable colour and it does kind of offer a naturalness to it. But um, if I get dirty, it's like, well, that's authentically me. <laughs> I always say that white's my favourite colour, but then everyone reminds me it's a shade and it's not a colour, but it is. I, yeah. I, I would just own everything in white. 
So going back to that kind of heritage style that that has kind of come into the way that you look, would you describe that as the London look, or what do you think defines you know what what London style is today? I really don't know what London style is, and you know I think it's really hard to define a style in the moment. I think it's only with hindsight that you can really see what were the super trends and stuff. You know, like when when we were in the 90s, I didn't know what the 90s trend was. When I was in the noughties, you couldn't see it. So right now, I'm whilst we're in this time, I'm like, I don't know what the London trend is, but in 10 years' time, we'll look back and be like, oh, we all wore that stuff. <laughs> um, so you're not seeing any crazy things on the streets at the moment as a result of people, like, um, having a need to kind of express themselves since they've been, you know, contained? Like, I feel like people have gone one of two ways. Either people are like, do you know what, I want to be comfy and they've thrown away every high heel that they own and are just, like, really, like, sitting back into that sort of comfort trend. Or people have gone the opposite way, like, like in the 1920s. It's like, no, I'm going to wear my ball gown to the pub because <laughs> I haven't got to wear it. Um, yeah. So I feel like there's, there's two camps. I definitely am someone who... I take so much enjoyment out of getting getting ready and getting dressed and picking my clothes. Like I genuinely just love it so much, um, and it like sets my mood for the day. Like who I'm going to be, what character I'll be today. <laughs> but um, so yeah, even during like the lockdowns, I would you know I'd have days where I wear tracksuits, but I would still get dressed even if I was going nowhere, and I would put an outfit on, um, and you know I would then put it on Instagram because I'm like what a waste of an outfit if someone didn't yeah. see it. <laughs> um yes I'm definitely someone who I, I'm not super dressy but um like as in like you know I don't really wear I'm not really a tight clothes sort of person like you'll never catch me sort of in, in like a bodycon dress or something yeah. like I just I want to be comfortable but also um my version dressed up yeah put together I guess yes. yeah so but back to that kind of level of earthiness that I can kind of see in, in your style. Um, it, you know, I I wonder, is there a link, is the sense of sustainability um, that you have linked to that? Like, is there, where does that, the, the desire for you to promote sustainable practices because I know I know you're vegetarian I know that you you love the beach like there's all these kind of earthy references to who you are where does that come from in you you know it's just I feel like I'm um, I always say that I think if I was born in America I'd probably end up in a cult (laughs) It's a really good job I was born in Essex. Um, I'm just like naturally really drawn to kind of like like yoga and spiritual practices and have crystals. Um, and so I just love all of that earthiness, you know, like go, like going to the beach barefoot. Um, yeah, so I just like there's that kind of half of me that just wants to really like rest into the hippiness and then the half of me that's like, very much more like structured and da da da. So like <laughs> two sides of my personality that weave in and out. We'll see what fashion yeah. comes out of it that day. It, it, so growing up, did you kind of have those experiences of like freedom? You know, kind of natural freedom. Were you did you did you get taken to the beach during holidays? Were you, you campers or is that just something that's evolved in you as you've gotten older? 
Yeah, absolutely not. I know. I, it's it, my <laughs> my upbringing. I mean, we we went on holidays um, as a kid, but no, it was more kind of when I got to be an adult and started earning my own money, and then um, and then when I started modelling. I would travel solo a lot. And I think I just kind of like really found out who I was as an individual as opposed to like part of, you know, like what personality you've been given by your family and your and where you're from. I just got time to really spend time with myself and um, I traveled a lot by myself and met new people and went to different, saw different cultures. And yeah, and I just sort of like picked these things up along the way and it's all just kind of meshed into who I am now. So the travel was really the thing, like kind of opening up your horizons of the thing that's kind of informed you and your sense of self more than, you know, necessarily the way that you've traditionally been brought up. Yeah, yeah, I'd say yeah. so. And were there any kind of key experiences in that? Um, I mean, like so many, yeah. Um, I, I did one um, one season, modern season, in, um, in South Africa and I'd never been there before. I just moved to Cape Town by myself and... And it's great. Like I lived in a model apartment and you just, you meet so many people from different cultures that I would just never like interacted with um, up until that point. And yeah, you're just thrown in the deep end of having to make friends quickly and work out cultures. And also I feel like I dress differently in every, every country or city that I go to. Um, I feel like I, I pick up a bit of like the local, <laughs> the local attire. <laughs> so even then, um, so I spent quite a bit of time in LA and you can't wear what you wear in London in LA particularly. Yeah. It, it just feels too, like, too structured. Um, to, yeah, to be, uh, like, so in LA, I, everything would just be a little bit, like, looser. Um, uh, yeah, and just a little bit, a, a little bit more hippie than I would in London necessarily. Well, and it's kind of, you know, L.A. and the Californian culture's known for, you know, it's kind of beach culture and, you know, yes, yeah, very, like, there is, like, quite a strong relationship, I think, between, like, L.A. Um, and Californian kind of culture and Sydney culture because of, you know, the, the climate and the environment and yeah. so we necessarily have to dress with less you know because it can get so hot and we are yes. at the beach and you know so there's a lot of you know <laughs> cut off oh. denim shorts and <laughs> I followed, that kind of thing I followed so many Australia I Australia is one of the places that I haven't been to yet to my oh, absolute horror <laughs> I know I can't wait and it's, it's, it's on the list at some yeah. point when, when we can um yeah. But um, I followed like so many Australian um, accounts and influences and things and I'm like oh the Australian style is just I love it is there anyone in particular that you you can think of that you love? Um, well, uh, I really like that Elle Ferguson. Elle Ferguson, yes. yes. Yeah. Obviously, everyone follows her. So I think she was one of the first people um, when she had her, she had that newsletter that they used to send out, her and her friends. Yes, they all together. hate us. That's yeah. it, that's it. Yeah. Um, and I loved that. So I think off the back of that, I followed a bunch of brands that she recommended and stuff. So now my Instagram's like still full of Australian brands. I'm like, oh, I love it. It's just so like cool and laid back we don't have the weather for all of that clothes all the time from here, no. uh, here but, yeah <laughs> I, I 
I could see why Elle's style would resonate with you because it does have that laid backness to it. And she's also, you know, renowned in the industry for just being a really lovely person. Um, And I I think that that really comes across in what she does. Um, One of the other things that you do love in fashion and you are an advocate for, which resonates with me, is um, your your love of vintage fashion. Does that come from the same place of sustainability and something that you've discovered as a means of being more sustainable or is vintage fashion something that you kind of always um was fascinated with um a bit of both it started out that I remember when um when I was a teenager me and a friend would jump on the train from Essex to London and we would crawl around Camden and go into like the vintage shops and it's just exciting to find stuff that that no one else could find um but yes, I always found that fun to, it was like, you know, treasure hunting. Um, yes. And then obviously now it's, uh, yeah, a massive sustainable push. Um, I'm really, I'm really into like the sites like, um, like Depop um, and like all of those uh, sites now, because now it actually makes it easier to actually search for exactly what you're looking for. Oh, yeah. And it does just give me like a dopamine hit to like, find an absolute like a treat bargain um, or if something's yeah something that you remember that you wanted like a few seasons ago I wish I'd got it and then you can search for it it might still be there it's like it's yeah fun. yeah oh I love it too I, I'm a big fan of the real real which I assume yes. that you're familiar with too yes. um and for that exact reason because I'm a bit of a fashion nerd that it, you know you know I follow the collections and have done since I was a little girl and um there are certain uh, collections over time that have like like resonated with me or I remember and it's so as you said it's got that searchability function now which um if, if you're passionate about it it's uh, easy easy to find things so yeah um so coming out of the pandemic you said you your style kind of didn't shift too much you because you still felt the desire to kind of get dressed uh how does life feel for you now that everything's kind of opening up in London at the moment yeah I mean it's really strange actually I feel like as humans we adapt so quickly to things which is a little bit scary as well but (laughs) now that we've we've been out of the lockdowns for a little while I kind of like pushed those lockdown memories far, far away. <laughs> Probably can need some therapy for that at some stage. I'm just pushing them away. And now, I, like, I feel like, yeah, I've just adapted to this kind of life now. And I'm, I'm super grateful that, um, I know you guys are, are you in lockdown there in Sydney? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Like, I feel like we've done the reverse, haven't we? Because we, um, I have some friends in, in Australia and they were messaging me being like, I'm so sorry you're in lockdowns and stuff during the winter. And, um, yeah. and yeah, now it's the flip. It's, it, yeah, so it's awful, but I feel like I've just locked that away and I'm just really grateful to be able to see friends, have lunch, like go to the cinema or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I'm actually um, I'm looking to book a holiday soon, but yeah. I've, I've, not, I've not done a proper holiday uh, since all this started because the idea of the admin just stresses me out. I think all the, all the tests and the things changing... I don't know if that would make a very fun holiday. So yeah, going back to the more fun parts of your freedom, you've been um, recently at a, a big festival. Um, yes. I, wa- I wonder what 
for me, because obviously, you know, as you said, we, we've gone through a period of lockdown and um, and then come out of it and we've been a lot more freer than, than you guys were, uh, yeah. you know, in the reverse months um, and, sorry, the reverse seasons. And I did find that certain situations would disarm me that I wasn't expecting. Um, how does, I guess, one thing I haven't experienced is being in a group of so many people like you would be in a music festival. Mm-hmm. Is, was Were parts of that disarming for you? Like were you or was it just pure euphoria? Like this is so much fun. I've missed it so much. Yeah, literally I had not one bit of worry or anything. I just loved being there. But I'm also coming from the aspect that I had COVID in May yeah. and I'm double vaxxed. I feel like anyone's going to be protected I'm pretty protected right now like I've just had it (laughs) and and, yeah and so honestly I just I just don't think it's I don't think it's good to just like worry like your whole life and stuff obviously like obviously if you're uh, if you've got compromised immune or anything immune system or something of course like you need to be cautious but for me personally I'm like I'm just going to live my life now yeah and so like, living your life, you, you it was, it was fun. The festival was great. The festival was, was so it? much fun. I loved seeing people dancing. I loved seeing people having a good time. Like we're humans and we're sociable, and it was so great. And was everybody like on a high? It was amazing. It was. I've never been to that festival. It was called Wilderness Festival. It was my first yeah. time, and um, yeah, just had just had the best time. A really great energy, hey? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so you sorry you were saying that you were you're hopefully booking um some travel plans where yeah. are you where would you love to be going um you, I actually someone who I don't like to go to the same place over and over again I like to go to new places but just because everything's a bit tricky right now um some friends and I are, are discussing um having like a little girly trip so we're possibly somewhere beachside I really, really desperately want some sunshine on a beach. So I'd really love to go to Ibiza soon because I haven't been yeah. for quite some time. But um, <laughs> Barcelona is also being chucked out there because um, oh, no. a friend of mine's getting married. So discussing seeing wedding venues while we're there as well. So there's all these balls juggling and we'll see which one lands. Okay, so Spain either way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, there's, and you can't, like, there's no no going wrong with that. Um, what What would you love to be wearing when you get there? What are you dying to to wear well, that you haven't had a chance to? A visa, um, a bikini. <laughs> That's what I want. I want a beach. I want glorious sea and I want a bikini and I want a cocktail in my hand. And that's all. Um, other than that, if I'm in a visa, then, then it's very boho. Yeah. <laughs> Which is in keeping with your style. Absolutely. I have a wardrobe pack full of it. Like, we're good to go. <laughs> Don't need to add anything. Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing those beautiful pictures of you in a bikini um, somewhere in Spain. <laughs> Sophie, I really appreciate you coming and speaking with me today. Um, well, I'm going to wrap up my evening, but I hope you have a glorious day. Thank you so much. It was so lovely to speak to you. If you like Style Stories but are looking for a little more connection, please come and join Style Stories The Circle, a Facebook group I've created to provide a community-minded space where you can discuss the latest episodes, get social and share your style and your stories.